Blog Talk Radio. Podcast featured on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. All right, hi everybody, welcome to episode 203 of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, March 18th, 2017. My name is Chris G, and you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. And we're going to be with you here for the next 60 minutes to bring you the latest on. The Montreal Canadiens, and even though there was only two games on the ice for for the Habs, there was plenty of news, plenty of storylines like there is every week when it uh, surrounds the uh, Montreal Canadiens. On the ice started off last Sunday, Canadiens over the Edmonton Oilers by a score of 4-1. to And then Tuesday night at home, Chicago Blackhawks were in town, and while the Blackhawks beat the Canadians by a score of four to two. So what is look what does that look like in the standings for the Montreal Canadiens after 70 games played? So there's only 12 games remaining in the regular season. Canadians have a record of 39, 23, and eight, gives them 86 points. They are currently seven and three in the last 10 games. And look who's right behind them. The Ottawa Senators, who are the Canadian opponent tonight in Ottawa and then tomorrow in Montreal, Montreal, a rare Sunday home game for the Canadians. The Sens are one point behind the Canadians with the one game in hand. And we're going to talk about these back-to-back games between these two teams later on in today's episode because, well, it's very important matchup for both these teams. Our question of the day for today's episode, well, if the playoffs started today, who would be your Habs' top six defensemen? A lot of talk around defensemen this week around the Montreal Canadiens, and we're going to talk about that in a couple of moments as well. And we also posted a Habs 360 poll question. Canadians playing, like I mentioned, the Senators two games to get a possibility of four points this weekend. We're asking you, how many points do you expect the Canadians to get? The choices are zero or one, two points, three points, or four points. So you let us know. And then uh, at towards the end of the program, we're going to take a look and we're going to tell you what the results look like. 
Joining me now, he's editor-in-chief and owner of the All Habs Network of Psych. He's my co-host for the day. You can follow him on Twitter at All Habs. It's uh, Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great, Chris. Glad to be here, back off the road, back in the studio. And uh, as you said, we've got plenty to talk about this week, as always. Yes, yeah, plenty to talk about, and it's probably much warmer in the studio than what it was on the road. <laughs> Lots of snow and cold on the road. Absolutely. And now it's time for this week's Winners and Losers on Hams 360. All right, so we're going to get started with our winners and our losers of the week, the most popular segment in, uh, in the world of podcasting. And this is where myself and Rick, we choose a winner, we choose a loser, uh, much Canadians related from the past seven days. Just to give a look at who had a good week and who had a bad week. Since the Canadians, they lost their last game against the Blackhawks, we're going to begin with our losers of the week. And, well, we're going to pass it on to Rick. And, Rick, why don't you go ahead? Well, I'm going to make an interesting pick. And uh, there was there was plenty to choose from on the ice if we're looking for losers, if we're looking for um, players who had a bad week. But I'm, I'm going to look, for, look at a player who had a, a bad week off the ice. Um, and that was Nathan Beaulieu, who uh, was a healthy scratch, a healthy scratch for the first time uh, this season. Um, and, uh, and Nathan Beaulieu has, has um, you know, he, he, he has the talent. Uh, if you ask him, he'll tell you he's a, he's a top four. He's even said he's a top pairing defenseman. And, um, you know, he might have the, the talent to, to back that up. Um, the problem has always been, between his ears um hockey iq is not that high um his uh, ability to read the play is poor his decision making very poor and uh for all of that um he could have been up in the press box many times this season but uh, found himself there or at least we should have found him there the other night um but according to, to Nathan, he didn't quite get there. Um, let's hear what he has to say. Uh, I didn't go upstairs, so, um, I mean, there's nothing. I I didn't really learn anything, I guess you can say. It's just watch the game. It's, it sucks watching it. And obviously, uh, I feel a big part of this team, and it's never fun watching it. So, obviously, I was extremely pissed and um upset I wasn't out there, so um, all I can do is just be ready the, the next time I'm in the lineup. <laughs> okay, so, and, and alright, you, you like a player that doesn't, doesn't want to be watching. You like a player who, who wants to be on the ice, but to pout about it, to act childish about it, uh, to say that no, he wasn't going up to the, the press box, to say that he didn't learn anything from the experience. I, I mean, being in the press box, I, I, I know I'm, I'm there. You can see a lot of different things that you can't see from ice level. Um, so all of that is, is, is really, I mean, uh, evidence of a really poor attitude. Um, but go beyond that. Even if he thought all those things, even if he skipped the press box, even if he didn't think that he learned anything, how stupid is that to say that to the to the Montreal media? 
um, he's very fortunate because he's one of, he's on the, the favored list. He's, he's one of those players that doesn't get very much criticism. Um, now you think back to, to Michael Ryder. Um, I remember during the, uh, the playoff series with Philly, I think it was in Philly that he was making paper airplanes in the press box and he just got absolutely roasted. I, I, in fact, if a Montreal media um, member encounters uh, Michael Ryder today, they would ask him about making paper airplanes in the press box. Um, Nathan Beaulieu, uh, that, you know, the fa- his attitude, not, not supporting his team, uh, not trying to learn from the experience. And then what he said uh, to the media, he is definitely my loser of the week. And uh, let's hear uh, what Claude Julien had to say prior. It was uh, prior to the game against the Chicago Blackhawks on uh, why uh, Nathan Beaulieu was uh, sitting out that game. I don't expect Nathan to be happy uh, about sitting out, but you know, it's, this is a pro hockey. We have to make some tough decisions sometimes uh, as a coach and everything else. And uh, we uh, we feel strongly about making sure that. Our, our D's that are healthy are playing because we feel we got some depth for that reason that the, if something happens, uh, we have players that are ready. So I don't feel the need to sit somebody out for two, three weeks, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, it's not a big deal. He's a young defenseman, and uh, for him to go out there and continue to play well and try and improve himself is all, is all I need from Nathan. You know, have the right attitude, go out there, and then continue to work hard. And, you know, he's got good potential, so, uh, you know, I expect him to, when he's back in the lineup to continue to play well. I so want him to have the right the right attitude is one yeah, of the things it. that Julian um, and did did Beaulieu exhibit the, the right attitude. I I don't know about that. What do you think? No, I definitely think that he didn't have the right uh, the right attitude. I, I'm happy that he was upset that he wasn't playing in the in the game against Chicago Blackhawks, right? Because if he didn't care, if he if yeah. he was different about it, you think like you know I, he doesn't care about the team or being passionate. But I think it's fine that he feels that way. But like you mentioned, there's no need to whine about it to uh, to the media. And I was actually a little bit surprised uh, to hear that from Nathan Bollier because normally I find Nathan Bollier, he, he speaks well, he communicates well, he's clear with his answers. He's not the type like, um, like I'm going to throw it right now, Shea Weber and Carey Price under the bus where they give short answers. Bollier expresses himself uh, well when he speaks with uh, the media. So, But when it comes to his play on the ice, I think since he's been paired with um, with uh, Jordy Ben, I think he's been it's been his best play of the season uh, since those two were matched together. Overall, the entire season, you know, I'm not sure you could... Um, I think you'd probably lean right now to say that uh, he's below expectations overall. So I want to see him play tonight's game against the Ottawa Senators because it has been confirmed that uh, he will be playing uh, tonight. I want him to see him come out there and have uh, you know, the game of his life. Okay, if not the game of his life, the game of his season. Like, be pissed off, and you know what, and try to prove Claude Julien that he was wrong in uh, in sitting him out, and that's what I would like to see from Nathan Bollier uh, tonight and even this weekend in both those games against the uh, Ottawa Senators. 
And that's a good segue to uh, my loser of the week. So it's not a repeat, but my loser of the week, once again, will be Alexi Emlin for a second week in, uh, in a row. So if you go a little bit and look at the context around it, Alexi Emlin, he, he was sat out against the game against the Vancouver Canucks, uh, what is it, over a week ago. Then he, he was back in the game against the Calgary Flames. We didn't see much from him, but to be fair, we didn't see much from anybody during that game against the Calgary Flames, except for uh, maybe Al Montoya. And then, uh, whether it be the fans, uh, a lot of the analysts are getting fed up with uh, Alexi Emelin during the game against the Edmonton Oilers. In fact, Claude Julien was asked to comment about uh, Alexi Emelin's performance against the Edmonton Oilers. Let's hear uh, what he had to say. Well, you know, that, that one game, absolutely. I thought the last game he played well. I know the goal that got scored on, uh, you know, Lucic almost outmuscled him, but I think he received a real tough pass on that play that put him in that tough position. But other than that, I thought he played a pretty solid game against Edmonton. So I was happy with Emlyn's game. So the coach was happy with Alex Emlyn, and I think the comments that the Claude Julian made in that clip were, were fair. Uh, but there's two things. In the past, we're used to Alex Emlin always having being on top of uh, having the advantage over Milan Lucic, and while well, it didn't happen on that one particular goal, but to be fair, Milan Lucic, he, he's a big guy. If Milan Lucic, for example, was skating towards me, he'd probably knock me out of the puck, off the puck as well. Then the following game against the Chicago Blackhawks, while well, Alexi Emlin, along with uh, Jeff Petrie, they were on nice for three goals against the Blackhawks. And I'm not, I'm not going to be here saying that Alex Emlin was the cause of all three goals, but in all three plays, he didn't, uh, he didn't help the situation. The first goal, it was uh, Anisimov, who just spun around him and gave the pass to an open Patrick Kane, who ended up beating Carey Price. On the second goal, it was a, a collision between him and uh, Brendan Gallagher at the at the Chicago blue line. Chicago, the Blackhawks came uh, on the other side. There was other mistakes that were done uh, between the Alexi Emlin collision with uh, Brendan Gallagher and the goal. But he took Brendan Gallagher off the play as well. So, like I said, he didn't help on that goal either. And then this particular goal, this is the one where I'm ready to pinpoint and say, you know what, Alex Emlin was the cause of this one. Uh, Jeff Petrie, he was watching um, the Chicago Blackhawks player on the right side. For some reason, Alex Emlin came over from mid-ice, well, mid-zone, I should say, towards the where Jeff Petrie was. And, well, that, came, uh, that gave an open opportunity, an open player for the Blackhawks to score on a carry price. And it was a similar mistake he had done in the game in the previous week against the New York Rangers. And honestly, if I was Claude Julien or if I was J.J. Daniel, I would have said to the head coach, you know what, after that third goal, Emlyn, I'd go to the point and I'd say I'd bench him and make him not see the rest of the game. And just to get uh, clear his mind, you know, tell me having a bad game, sit it out, don't make him look any worse than he looked, uh, he's been looking lately, but he didn't, he played 
for the rest of the game. And following that game, uh, Jeff Petrie was asked uh, to comment about uh, their, their recent play. You know, something that, you know, it's, uh, like you said, we got to communicate and, you know, who's going for the puck and who's, uh, um, you know, picking up the net front guy and, um, you know, the communication wasn't there tonight. So Jeff Petrie says the communication uh, wasn't there tonight. And, you know, that pairing hasn't been working. I'm not here, like, um, to tell you why, to pinpoint the reason why, because honestly, I don't know what the reason is that it's not working. But it's obvious, if you look at it, that defensive pairing isn't working, especially Alexi Emlin. He's been struggling on his decision-making, I find, uh, for the past, what, seven to uh, seven to 14 days. And Rick, I, I avoid doing this, but I I had to choose Alexi Emlin as my losers of the week for the second consecutive week. Second conse- consecutive week, yeah, that's... Um... That's I, that's kind of unprecedented, isn't it? The, but um, I, I understand there's there's an awful lot of of negative feelings out there. Um, some justified, a lot not um, about Alexei Emelin. Um, as as you said, um, I, I I don't I don't have uh, any problem at all with pinpointing him as the culprit on the third goal. Um, whatever the issue is between he and, and uh, Jeff Petrie, um, it isn't working. And as, as you played, uh, Petrie said the communication wasn't there. It needs to be there. They need to know where, where, where each other is and where they're going to be. And, and um, um, on that play, uh, Emelin just drifted over and, and right into to, uh, Petrie's space and, and uh, leaving an open side. Um, the other two goals, I think, um, as, as you said, there was, there was mistakes maybe, but as uh, you know, I, I talked to defensemen at, at every level and, um, it was, it was really interesting to hear, um, Keegan Lowe, who's newly acquired from the, the Carolina hurricanes and, uh, Kevin Lowe's son. So they know something about defense in that family. And he said, you know, um, mistakes happen on every shift. Mis- I m- make mistakes. The forwards make mistakes. And, and my job is to either um, uh, cover up my mistake or my, my, my defense partner's mistake or capitalize on, on the other mistakes. And I think we're seeing Emmeline's mistakes magnified and highlighted, and nobody else's are. That first goal... Um, that that first goal, as you said, uh, Anisimov uh, spun off Emelin. Anisimov's a very skilled player, spun off him. That isn't what caused the goal. Um, you know, first of all, what was Emelin doing there? Ch- you know, way up in, in uh, as some people ask, uh, high in the, in, in the neutral zone. Well, that's exactly what Claude Julien has brought to this team. He saw that this team was constantly getting beaten with speed as, as opposing teams develop speed in the neutral zone and, and, you know, uh, zipping past the, the, the decor scoring on the rush. Uh, he wants, uh, and especially against the Blackhawks who he, um, he pointed out were one of the best teams in scoring from the rush. So he wanted his defensemen challenging the Chicago forwards in the neutral zone. Emelin was doing exactly what he was told. So he was there, he challenged, slowed down Anisimov a bit, Anisimov spun off, 
and went to the half boards. Now, uh, there wasn't an open pass there. Emelin recovered, went over and covered his guy. That was fine. Petrie covered the front of the net. That was fine. The speedster, the favorite, the darling Paul Byron came whipping back and went over and, and went to the side of the net and covered nobody, no one, absolutely no one leaving um, Patrick Kane, who you think you should cover wide open lane, wide open shot. And a, a, it, it took a, a perfect shot to beat price. Um, not Emlyn's fault whatsoever. Uh, the second goal. Um, yes. Uh, Emlyn went for the stick check, reached out and with his hip extended, knocked over, knocked over Gallagher. Petrie made a great play to break up the two on one. None of those uh, Petrie or, or Emelin didn't cause the goal. It was, Again, our darling, Paul Byron, who had a terribly weak defensive game against Chicago. Um, there he was, kind of caught in between nobody. He was, he was supposed to be covering Johnny Aduya at the point. He didn't block the shot. He didn't get out of the way. He didn't do anything. Um, and, and his screen, clear shot to go in, and at the, at the end of the night for screening his goaltender, and not preventing the shot, Byron said post-game in his interview, that was on me. Again, not Emelin. Third one, as I've said, I agree with you totally. So I think there's, there's nothing wrong with uh, Emelin sitting out today. That's, that's fine. And, and I'm, I bet you that Emelin will be in the press box, and I bet you that he'll learn something. Um, he's a much smarter player than, than Nathan Beaulieu is. So I, I, I don't necessarily have, have a problem with, with uh, the justified criticism. It's all the piling on and, and uh, um, you know, making him the, 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 the problem uh, for this team, which he's, he's clearly not. So that's first where we're going to see Alex Hamlin has been confirmed that he will not be playing tonight against the Ottawa Senators. We'll see uh, if he'll be back in the lineup uh, tomorrow. Uh, so, Rick, let's uh, move on now with our winners of the week. And why don't you go first? I'm going to give this as a, as a joint prize. Um, and, and because it, it follows the same theme. And one of the things that um, the recently departed um, Michelle Terrian was known for was throwing players under the bus um, publicly to the media. Um, and with all of this criticism surrounding Emelin, particularly against the, the Blackhawks, that the, the vultures that they were, the, the Montreal media, were going to attack, were going to jump in. And they, they specifically asked questions of Coach Julian and of the captain, Max Pacioretty, um, you know, to comment on what is wrong with, with Alexei Emelin. Um, I, I liked both of their answers. Um, so I'm going to give the joint prize to Max Pacioretty and Claude Julien for not throwing um, their, their, their players under the, under the bus. Um, Max Pacioretty, when he was asked, you know, what's wrong with Alexei Emelin? He said, I'm not sure what you're trying to get out of me on that, but you're not going to get it. Um, 
for uh, Claude Julien, it was Tony Marinero that that went into this long, convoluted, uh, and Julien was clearly annoyed um, with with Marinero, and he said, um, "It doesn't matter what I say here. What matters is what I do in the dressing room. And you're not going to get me to. I'm paraphrasing now. You're not going to get me to, um, you know, point, point a finger at a at a, at a player." If I need to say something, I'll do it in the in the dressing room. And I thought both of them handled it brilliantly. Max Pacioretty is really settling into his role as a captain. Claude Julien, um, you know, uh, uh, one of the things that uh, I I um, am am really pleasantly surprised at is the way he handles the media, both in his explanations and in his defense of the players. So for um, that reason. My winners of the week are Pacioretty and Julien. Yes, yeah, so well, I, I think that's a, a great uh, choice as well. They should keep uh, they should keep that in the dressing room. No reason for the players to go out in uh, to the media and uh, speak about it. And I don't think it's the captain or any player's job to uh, talk about the uh, player's performance. The coach, okay, maybe. At the same time, I understand why the the reporters or Tony Marinaro uh, trying to get that kind of information because honestly during that game against the Chicago Blackhawks if you look at uh, social media or uh, that was what the fans wanted to know that's what everybody was talking about and while they're supposed to represent the voice of uh, the fans that being said we're not going to debate it but I'm not sh- I agree that not all of them do a good job Representing the fans, but that's what they're uh, that's what they're there, and that's what their goal uh, should be at uh, these uh, post media scrums. All right, so I'm going to move on now to uh, my winner of the week, and well, for the first time in uh, Habs 360 history, my winner will be the same uh, as last week as well. Oh so no! Yeah, so I'm going with uh, Paul Byron, who scored three goals. Uh, since uh, last week's episode, two goals against the Oilers and one goal against the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. So he's up to uh, 19 goals. The game against the Edmonton Oilers was his first career uh, three-point uh, game for uh, for Paul Byron. Do you think he's going to reach the, the 20-goal plateau? I do. I, I think he has... Uh plenty of time left he he seems to manufacture um his own op- or makes the most of his op- opportunities so uh with, if he can maintain that kind of shooting percentage i don't see uh any reason why he won't get to 20 who is that guy he's brilliant <laughs> so we're not going to spend lots of time on it but for it looks like rick for once that uh, you might be right <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, he's at 19 now. The funny thing is that uh, he he could have hit the 20 mark against Chicago. Uh, he had a couple of chances uh, with Carey Price uh, pulled and uh, the extra attacker uh, right in front of the net. Uh, Crawford made two great saves uh, on on Byron. He could have had his 20th right there and then. But uh, I'm pretty confident in that prediction I made a while back that uh, he's going to get to 20 and offensively in that game against uh, Chicago, he was, uh, you know, he was probably the most dangerous uh, Canadian 
as I said, I don't think I, I think he had a pretty bad game on the defensive side. Um, but you know, if, if you had a busy week and you didn't have time to prepare your winners and losers and you just recycle the ones from last week, well, I, I understand that, Chris. I, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, right. I know well, that. No, I know you're, 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 and there's good reasons for, for both Byron and, and uh, Emlyn to be where they are and, and why you chose them this week. All right. So we're going to take our first break here on the Habs 360 podcast. Still to come, our question of the day. If the playoffs started today, who would be your Habs top six defenseman? You can let us know via Twitter at Habs360, or you can visit the All Habs Facebook page. But coming up next, we're going to talk about the, uh, the, the rumors of Alex Radulov's uh, contract extension, and we're going to look ahead to the series between the Canadians and the Ottawa Senators. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast, net. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs360 podcast and Anthony from r2canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season. The contest will run during every Habs home game in the regular season and will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of r2canvas.com. Listen to the Habs360 podcast and follow Habs360 and Habs Happy on Twitter for more details. And for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit r2canvas.com. Good luck. Habs360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. This is the Habs 360 Podcast. Featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back. It's episode two of the Habs 360 podcast. It's Saturday, March 18, 2017. My name is Chris G, along with uh, Rick Stevens at All Habs on uh, Twitter. And while it was reported earlier this week on uh, TSN 690 that um, Alex Radulov's agent, when talking with uh, Mark Bergevin, he 
he's asking for an eight-year contract extension, and apparently he isn't uh, budging on that uh, demand. And well, the following day, Alexei Alex Radulov was asked to comment on uh, the, those rumors. Uh, it's not, it's not even, not even close to what he's saying. You know? like, I don't even know who this talk. It's, I just don't want to even like discuss that because it's, it's nothing like I can, uh, can really control that. And uh, you know, I was sick yesterday, and uh, I got the phone call from my agent. It's like there's some, something going on. Some people talking. So I was like, who's talking? No one's, nothing. No, no, no one's know nothing about it. So I even talked to Mark today, and it's like it's just. Someone throw it in uh, in the internet or whatever, like whatever it doesn't, uh, doesn't make sense. So Alex Radulov denying the the contract extension uh, demand of eight years. Uh, I'm not ready to say that I 100% believe the uh, denial from uh, Alexi from Alex Radulov, because if I was in his shoes, honestly, I'd probably start off asking for eight-year contract extension. You know, you start high and then you settle for a little bit lower. And if you look at the Habs, they've always been struggling to get the top six forwards. And it's it would be very hard and very difficult to explain the Canadians to let Alex Radulov walk away at the end of the season for uh, and get nothing in return. They they didn't need to give up anything to pick him up during the off season. It was a, a low risk contract uh, signing that they that they did. And to me, if I would say eight years is way too long for an extension for Radulov, I'm leaning towards you know anything between four or five years, maybe even six at the most for uh, for Radulov. But the ideal number for me would be uh, would be four, but I'd be able to negotiate and give in an extra one or two years. Rick, what are your thoughts? Well, I I, I don't know what to say about this because um, now this number is out there and people are are either supporting it or defending it, and it's you know we've 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 there's a discussion in the media about fake news. This is fake news. It's trash. It's absolute trash. And it, once again, we've seen this time and time and time and time again from Tony Marinero that he throws out this nonsense um, and he gives it all the Tony Marinero uh, uh, you know, assurances. He's, he, in this case, he said, I can confirm, I can guarantee this. Um, and as you said, he said uh, that his agent is asking for eight years and he's not budging at this point. I, you know, Alex, Alexander Radulov is, he may be a lot of things, but he's, he's honest. He's passionate. He's, he says what's on his mind. You can see that uh, if you, if you've been listening to his, his post-game uh, press conferences uh, uh, or, or scrums uh, all through the season, he just says what he's on his mind, what's on his mind. He has no you know, he's not a manipulator. He's not trying to manipulate the media. So when he says, you know, listen, I was sick yesterday. I got this call from, from my agent who says, you know, people are talking about this. Why, why, you know, and he said, no one knows anything about what I've talked to with, with Mark Bergevin and my agent has talked with Mark Bergevin and it's not even close. So, 
this is again it 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 just keeps happening it happened with with Markov, Marinero was wrong on Markov. He was wrong on price. And he throws these things out and, and it's just, it's really disgusting. Cause it, 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 you know, now that player is going to be wary of, of uh, the media. And as you said, the media is supposed to be, um, you know, the fans link uh, to, to get information. And if there's a distrust on, on behalf of the players towards the media, uh, then the media is not doing um, their job as far as what the number is um, I think it it's it's probably uh, in the neighborhood of five or six years I think he he wants to he doesn't want his contract ending at 35 or you know so he's having to negotiate a 35 and over contract um, so I'm not surprised if it's six years um, and uh, whether Bergevin can uh, come up with that, uh, whether he can fit it into the salary um, structure, given all the other cap hits and, and things that he has to take care of, particularly Carey Price, um, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, but Alexander Radulov was not so much lately, but at the beginning of the season, he was he was at the center of 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 all the Canadians offense. It seems when a goal was scored, uh, Radulov was part of it. Um, and, you know, with, with the other holes and, and that the Canadians have, it's going to be tough to, um, to let him go. It's going to be tough not to meet his demands. So he's in the, he's in the driver's seat right now. And, um, uh, you know, it's going to put um, Mark Bergevin in a tough position, I think. Yeah, for sure. And this year he's making uh, 5.75 million. If we're looking for a six-year contract, it's the cap hit can't be much bigger than uh, what it is uh, this season, for sure. Like the longer, um, the longer the contract extension is, the smaller the cap hit. At least Benjamin should uh, negotiate. So we'll definitely keep an eye on this. Because then another factor that comes into consideration for all this is the expansion draft, uh, which is happening in June. And uh, so definitely something, a storyline that we'll be uh, following with you here on the Habs 360 uh, podcast. At the same time, uh, Rick's buddy, uh, Tony Marinaro, also mentioned (laughs) that uh, Andrei Markov has asked for a a two-year contract extension. And... Rick, it seems like every time uh, Andre Markov signs a contract, everybody seems saying, you know what, it's too long, it's too long, and he keeps proving us wrong. At at this point, I think for the first time in his last two, three contracts, if it's a two-year contract, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I'd be okay with it too. Uh, You know, back towards the beginning of the season, and uh, I was mentioning that I'd I could see uh, Markov staying another season. I was getting a lot of pushback um, on social media, and and um, I I just like it because I saw the way that Markov interacted with players like Sergachev. Uh, Nikita Sherbak mentioned what a what a key um, mentor uh, Markov had been to him in the in the summer. Uh, Sherbak stayed in Montreal and trained and and uh, was very grateful to Markov. I think Markov still has it on the ice. Uh, He's proven that this season. He's probably uh, 
been other than Shea Weber, uh, let's call him the, the second best defenseman consistently on the, the Canadians this season. Uh, he, he trains, uh, you know, his training regime is really good. And if he can uh, avoid injuries, I don't, I, I think he can be a very effective uh, player um, with the Canadians next, next season. Um, and, y- you know, he's at the end of this season, he's, he'll probably be about 10 games away from um, reaching the thousand game mark. Um, and I remember when um, you'll remember when Guy Carboneau brought back uh, Patrice Brisebois just for the, he was awful. He was just awful, but brought him back for the, uh, so he could make his thousand games. Um, and uh, I, I see this as a very different situation. It's yes, it would be nice to have Markov, um, you know, surpass that thousand game mark, but I think he can still be very, very helpful to the, to the younger defensemen um, and, um, and also be very effective on the ice. All right, switching gears now. Canadians facing the uh, Ottawa Senators for a pair of games this weekend. And, well, they're going to play as well a third game in eight days uh, next Saturday. So it's an important weekend for both these teams. Let's hear uh, some uh, clips from a couple of players, and then we'll we'll come back and uh, talk about it uh, some more. Well, I know, uh, I mean, we know how important these games are, obviously. Uh, you know, probably the closest thing will be to a, to a playoff game this weekend, back-to-back, you know, a division rival. You know, there's some history between, uh, you know, the two clubs in the past uh, playoff series, so I expect everyone to be ready to go and ready to, to battle this weekend. It's uh, it's going to be tough games. It's big. We definitely want to want to win the games, and um, obviously going to end up on the winning side uh, in those matchups, going to probably have an advantage to win the division, which is, which is an important thing. It is. I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, it's going to be a fun game. It's kind of that pre-playoff cursor. They're probably all going to be playoff games. Uh, we know where they stand, in the, obviously the standings, and, and so do we. So it's going to be a good measurement, knowing that uh, it also could be a playoff opponent for us if uh, not looking too far ahead. Well, they're important. Um, everyone knows that. Everyone's going to talk about that. Everyone's going to uh, make stories about how these games go. Um, but we just got to worry about ourselves. And, and uh, you know, that's why we play. We play to be in circuit, be in situations like this. Um, it's a lot of fun. We can't get too uptight about it. It's more of, uh, you know, it's a good opportunity for us to make a statement and, and uh, you know, get some points. But um, just got to worry about ourselves, not the outside noise or not uh, who we're playing against. So we heard from uh, Paul Byron, Thomas Plekanec, uh, Steve Ott, and uh, Max Pacioretty with their with their comments. So it, there's a lot of hype. It looks like a playoff, uh, a small mini playoffs between uh, these two teams. And well, it's an important weekend for both these teams, as we'll hear now from Claude Julien. Well, I, I would never treat a regular season situation like a back-to-back playoff, but. I'm not going to stand here and say this isn't a, a, an important weekend for both teams. I think it is. You know, uh, there's first place that's in play. Uh, there's certainly, again, you know, you want to establish some sort of not dominance, but hopefully some uh, some success against uh, uh, the team. So it's important for both teams. I think it's a big weekend uh, for both 
you know, organizations, and that's the way you have to look at it. As I mentioned before, uh, you know, we, your goal is always to finish as high as you can. First place is certainly a goal of ours right now, but it's not the end of the world if something happens and we're not there. So there you go. The coach confirms as well that it's an important weekend for both these teams. And we asked you on the Twitter, on the Habs 360 Twitter account, how many points will the Habs get against the Senators this weekend? Uh, go make your vote. We're going to uh, divulge the results in a couple of uh, moments. And Rick, I think at the end, maybe not this weekend, but including the, the third game that's going to happen seven days from now, I think it'll give us an idea who's going to finish uh, first place in the division. So it's a pretty big game for both these teams. Absolutely. Um, and when you look at it, it's it's remarkable, really, how little separates these teams. Um, Canadians have played one more game, and and the only difference is an overtime loss. They both both teams have 39 wins. Both teams have 23 losses. Um, uh, there's just one goal as far as goals against. There's just one goal separating them. Uh, the Canadians have a, a, a few more uh, goals for seven more goals for um, the the last ten games. Um, Canadians at seven and three. The the uh, Senators at seven two and one. Uh, they're both coming off a, a loss to the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, like I say, very very similar um, and and. Uh, you know, one of these teams, well, well, we'll see. We'll see if one of these teams can put some separation um, or whether we'll be just as tight. Um, uh, the, the standings will be just as tight when uh, we're talking again uh, next podcast. And, Rick, we haven't seen Carey Price play any back-to-back games uh, this season. Uh, do you think this weekend is the first time we'll, we'll see it? Uh, I guess last year the question two different ways. One, do you think he should play both games? And number two, do you think if he will play both games? It's interesting because, um, you know, um, Michelle Terrian said that, that they they had a plan. Um, he would sit down with Stefan Waite and they would map out, regardless of wins and losses, uh, they would map out a plan, you know, for a month ahead or even more longer. Um not that they would share that, but, but, but it was, it was already set and that the goaltenders would know when they were playing. Now, whether it's gamesmanship or, or not, um, Julian has said that he hasn't made up his mind yet for tomorrow and that he won't make up his mind until um, he sees what happens in tonight's game. Um, can Carey Price play both games? Sure he can. Um, I would really like to see, I would really like to see Montoya uh, start tomorrow for the simple fact um, that you want, you want your team to feel that they, that they're responsible for the win, that they can win without Carey Price. However, if the Canadians were to lose tonight, there's going to be huge pressure um, on winning that game tomorrow. And I think you've got to play Carey Price and, again in that situation. Uh, I agree with you. If the Canadians do lose tonight, for sure that uh, Carey Price is playing back uh, tomorrow night here yeah. in uh, Montreal. For the Senators, it's Mike Condon has been uh, confirmed as the goalie for uh, tonight's game. And if I remember correctly, at least for this season, Michel Terry just once had announced the plan for back-to-back games. And I think that was 
and then Carey Price ended up getting pulled from the first game against the Sharks, and then played the night after against the Capitals. If I remember correctly, uh, yeah. Terry had already announced that Montoya would be playing the game in Washington, but then uh, they pulled an audible and uh, brought him in. But uh, if the Canadians win tonight, uh, that's a fair assessment, a fair comment that you made that, you know, let's try Montoya for, for game number two. And, well, you know, I'd be on board for that. I, you wouldn't get much argument uh, from me on that for once. For once. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to take our uh, second break here on the Habs 360 podcast. Uh, still to come, our question of the day. If the playoffs started today, who would be your Habs top six defensemen? You can let us know via Twitter at Habs360. You can leave your comments on the All Habs Facebook page and you can give us a call toll-free on the Habs360 hotline. Phone number to reach us is 1-877-455-4945. Stay with us. This is the Habs360 podcast featuring allhabs.net. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the St. John's Ice Caps or the Brampton Beast more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to episode 203 of the Habs 360 podcast. My name is Chris G at ChrisG1980 on Twitter, along with Rick Stevens, editor-in-chief and owner of the All Habs Network of Sites. And you can give us a call now at one 455 4945 to tackle our question of the day, or in fact, anything Montreal Canadiens related. Our question of the day, if the playoffs started today, who would be your Habs' top six defensemen? 
And well, we we've spoken about the defenseman. We saw uh, Alexi Emlin has been sat out the last couple of, a couple of games lately. And Nathan Boyer sat the last one. There's a couple of extra bodies around, so we want to know who would be your uh, top six defenseman. And we're going to start off with um, on Twitter, uh, Bill Gartner, who is from Belleville. His pairings are Emlin and Weber. Uh, then it's Petrie and uh, Davidson. And then Bollier and Size. So I don't know who he means. Maybe it's uh, Jimmy Ben. <laughs> so thank you for the tweet, uh, Bill. Uh, the next tweet comes from Bye Bye 2010 from Halifax, Nova Scotia, right? I hate to say it, if the playoffs started right now, we're in serious trouble. All we know for sure is we have a great goalie. Thanks for the tweet, Bye Bye, but I think the Canadians have a lot more things than a good goalie, especially this season. Uh, next tweet comes from Peter Martin, writes, let's see what he learned from not sitting in the press box when benched. He is too cocky and will be moved this summer. So quite the, uh, the statement mm. there by Peter. So thank you for, uh, thank you for the tweet. And uh, Rick, what does it look like on as y'all have Facebook page? On the Facebook page, we have um, suggested pairings from Jason Corville. Um, apparently, he doesn't like how Weber is, has been playing on the first pair. So he's got Markoff and Petrie on the first pair, Weber and Ben on the second pair. I like how Weber and Ben play on the, the PK. but uh, And then Davidson and Beaulieu on the uh, third pairing. Um, Justin Bopit says he wants Davidson. Uh, on the first pairing with Weber. I don't think that's going to happen, Justin. Um, Markoff and Petrie on the second pair, Beaulieu and Ben on the third pairing. Uh, Rodney Barrett says, today, Emelin would be number seven. Uh, Davidson and Beaulieu would draw in. Dana Stone says, Emelin can be so effective in the playoffs, but the way his play has been lately, he'd have to be number seven for me. Ron Wager says, why is everyone on case lately? Yes, he's made a few bad decisions in recent games, but in my opinion, he's the only D-man that we have who will block shots and lay the body on almost every chance he gets. I've seen Markov with his share of mistakes this year and nothing said. Just saying, Emlyn is in the starting six for the playoffs. Um, and I think, um, let me just read one more. This comes from Marie Cappy. She says, uh, oh, she has Davidson on the first pairing with Weber as well. Markov and Petrie on the second, Beaulieu and Markov on the third. Okay, <laughs> she's got Markov playing both the second and third pairing. So he's double shifting. Um, and Marie just adds, best defenseman for the Habs that I ever witnessed was Larry Robinson. Well, can't argue too much there. And that's so what we I'll, have on the Facebook page. So I'll give you a minute to think about it, Rick. I'll, I'll tell everybody what I think my uh, top six defensemen would be if the playoffs started today. Uh, I'd put on the first pairing. I'd go back to uh, Markov and Weber, have them play together. My second pairing would be Beaulieu and Jeff Petrie. And then my third pairing, if literally tonight was game one between the Senators and the Canadians. 
And with the way that Alexi Emelin has been playing lately, I wouldn't play Alexi Emelin. I'd go with Davidson and uh, and Ben. But assuming that Emelin comes back and he goes back to playing, uh, stop making those mistakes, my third pairing would be Emelin and Ben. So right now, Emelin's my number seven with hopes that eventually it will be Davidson who becomes my number seven defenseman. What about you, Rick? What would your uh, top six look like? Well, I think that um, it's kind of it's kind of late in the season to be playing musical chairs. We know that that uh, Weber has been the the best defenseman uh, for the Canadians this year. We know that Markov has, as we talked about earlier, has has been next. Uh, I like how the two have played together, and you you, you leave them alone and and the top pairing. If this Canadians team is going anywhere. Alexei Emelin, who usually plays well in the playoffs, has to be has to be included. Um, he ha- he has to be getting in, you know um, decent minutes, and he has to be physical to wear down the opposing forwards. So I think you live or die with Alexei Emelin on the second pair, um, and you get him and uh, Jeff Petrie to communicate more. Um, and then you know you've got the the uh, the grouping um, that you can rotate on the, on the, the third pair because um, each of them is capable of playing a, a couple of good games and then playing a bad game. So uh, we've seen that with Ben who's looked very good. And then who's looked terrible. We've seen Beaulieu who's looked good and then make some terrible decisions. We've seen Davidson who for the most part has looked okay on as long as he's on the third pairing, but looked kind of out of place on the second pairing. So I would rotate that uh, Beaulieu, Ben, Davidson uh, in and out, depending on the situation and depending on how they're uh, playing. We uh, got a couple of tweets on our discussion about uh, Alex Radulov and whether the uh, eight years extension is uh, would be something that uh, we would do. Uh, first tweet comes from... Well, Shea Weber from Montreal writes, why debate it when neither side is discussing it? Well, exactly. Well, I'm not, I have to say that I, I think that they've started having some negotiations. Like, I'm not here to say that, you know, maybe the, the eight years was mentioned, but I'm sure they've they've spoken at least once or twice to see where, where they're at, because maybe if they were completely not at the same page that maybe Radulov would have been moved, maybe would have seen something else done, because I don't think that uh, at the same time Bergevin is willing to give up and lose Radulov for nothing at the uh, end of the season. Uh, next tweet comes from Blaine Podven. He writes, five years should be enough to get his uh, cap friendly. More than five years, and he ends up the Habs, Hosa, or worse, Gabrick. So thank you for the tweet, Wayne. Uh, Blaine, sorry, not Wayne. Uh, next tweet comes from Zachary. I think Wayne's his Zach- second name. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, Zachary <laughs> writes, they are discussing it. In my opinion, it's not about the contract length, but the rate of payment. And, well, I'll disagree. I think it's the opposite. I think it will be more difficult for them to come up with the number of years than it will be for the amount of money. So thank you for the tweet, Zachary. Uh, next tweet comes from Stephen Creston, who writes, not a Habs fan, but 
at 30 years of age, eight years, yikes. Maybe a McDavid Matthews, yes, a good player, but it's a gamble. Should be maximum contract at uh, five years. So thank you for the tweet, Stephen, who is a uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fan. On, we had a Habs 360 poll question as well, and how many points will the Canadians get against the Senators this weekend? The options were uh, zero or one, two, three, or four points. And well, our results so far at 36% are four points. So Canadians fans uh, are thinking that Canadians will do good this weekend. But the results are pretty close because at three points is 23%, at two points is 20%, and at zero or one point is at 21%. So so thank you very much, everybody, who uh, participated in the poll question. And there was another tweet that came in from Jeff. He writes, Montreal has to come in second, so they play Boston in the first round. Otherwise, the apocalypse may truly be upon us. Besides that, the Habs will likely lose to Ottawa in the playoffs anyways. Shaw and Ott will take too, much, too many dumb penalties. So thank you for the tweet, Jeff, but I'm not ready to say that uh, Canadians will lose against the Senators in the playoffs. I'm not ready to say Canadians will beat the Senators in the playoffs, but I'm ready to see what's going to happen in the next three games against between these two teams, and then I think we'll be able to make a, uh, a fair assessment of uh, what we think will happen in the playoffs. So, so thank you very much, everybody, for your participation, and, well, because of you is what makes Habs 360 the most interactive podcast. Listen up. It's time for some bad tweets on Habs 360. Well, Rick, uh, last week, uh, bad tweets took a, a one-week hiatus, but we're back this week, and you found a bad tweet. I did. I did. And this relates to what we were talking about uh, earlier. This tweet comes from SilkG66, and he was um, – I, I tweeted the quote uh, from Jeff Petrie. Uh, the quote that, that I tweeted was, um, we have to communicate who's going back for the puck and who's picking up the net front guy. The communication wasn't there tonight. You played that, that clip earlier. I tweeted it out after um, – after the, the scrum and silk G 66 says, Emelyn can't speak English and has a low IQ. Maybe that's the issue. That's just, I'm, I'm sorry. Silk G 66. That's a dumb tweet. It's a bad tweet. It's a silly tweet. It's, um, and, and absolutely zero, uh, substance or truth to it. So, uh, you made our bad tweet of the week. And well, we all know that, uh, Canadians, uh, they listen to the Habs 360 podcast. They're, they're huge fans. And well, Claude Julien, when he came up board with the Canadians, he became a fan as well. And uh, we asked him to uh, comment on uh, that bad tweet. Well, you know, without being too funny here, it was a crappy situation. Yeah, so it was a <laughs> crappy situation. That's what it was when he told him about that bad tweet. So, so there you go. So big weekend coming up for the Canadians against the Ottawa Senators. So we'll definitely keep our eye on that. Sunday will be the first of a six-game homestand for the Montreal Canadiens. So if they're looking for points, if they're looking to go first place, Rick, the six-game homestand is a perfect opportunity for them to collect some points. It is. Um 
as our friend Douglas Gallivan tweeted, uh, I believe it was during the Chicago game, that it has not been uh, Fortress Habs at the Bell Center this season, um, particularly in the last uh, their last 10 home games um, where they've struggled to score. But if they're going to turn it around, um, this is the time to do it, and uh, this is the time to uh, take control of their own destiny. Yeah, and so we'll definitely have a better idea next week. Canadians, uh, from now to our next episode, will have played four games. The Perb games against the Ottawa Senators, and then the Red Wings are in town on Tuesday, and the uh, Carolina Hurricanes are in town on Thursday night. So, Rick, thank you very much. You're welcome. Glad to be here, and we'll be keeping an eye as well on the Ice Caps tonight. They're in a real dogfight for a playoff spot. And they're uh, at home tonight against the Rochester Americans. So we'll keep one eye on the the Ice Caps, one on the Habs, and uh, we'll be interacting with all of you folks on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, at the AHL Report is uh, to follow uh, to follow along. So thank you everybody for your tweets, your comments, and thank you everybody for listening to today's episode. We're gonna be back next Saturday. 2 p.m. Eastern for an edition of the episode, and we'll see how it looks like for the Canadians after their pair of games against the Senators. Have a good week, everybody. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.